Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Okay, let me know if this sounds like you. You want to grow your audience, so you show up on social media every single day, posting reels and shareable content, all this stuff they say helps you grow, but still nada. WTF, right? Well, that's because consistent content is not a strategy for growth. In order to see growth, you have to get in front of new audiences. And yes, 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 I know, I know, especially if you're a social media strategist out there, you might be thinking, what are you talking about? If you post three reels a day, you can grow and all that stuff. And and I understand like this is part of a much bigger conversation, but what I mean by that is posting content every single day, yeah, you might get some numbers, but is this a quality audience that's actually going to buy from you? Not always, right? Sometimes people get lucky, but sometimes it's really just a, a shot in the dark strategy and we really need something a little bit more targeted. Enter Lisa. Lisa, this is what we, me and Lisa are talking about today. And she is a pro at getting you on podcasts so you can get in front of an audience that is way more likely to trust you. Plus, now you're not just growing your audience, you're growing your authority. Today, we're talking about how to pitch so you actually get a yes, how to find people to collaborate with, and how to do this all really quickly and in a way that doesn't totally burn you out. I know what you might be thinking. I almost did not believe her either. And I still have to practice some of her methods because I've definitely been putting some of the things she's talked about into action since we spoke. But let me just paint you a little picture here. She pitches to 10 podcasts in 30 minutes while watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians every Friday, people. Okay? I mean, I'm also a secret fan of the Kardashians. So this whole visual really appeals to me. And to be honest, this is just scratching the surface on what we talked about. So you are going to get a ton of information from this conversation. I also have to say I loved her strategy about how she leverages every opportunity she gets by giving back to her collaborators. Such a strategic but also generous way to operate your visibility strategy. It was honestly gold. So you've heard enough from me. Let's get to the good stuff. All right. Lisa Simone Richards got her start in visibility when she was 11 years old, and her letter to the editor got printed in a Teen People issue with Jonathan Taylor Thomas on the cover. Swoon. Seven years later, like any true Sex in the City fan, she decided to go into PR just like Samantha for a fashion company. After living that fast-paced Devil Wears Prada life, she joined the team of a fitness company and turned their boot camps into a sold-out event every single week. Today, she helps coaches like you reach the people that need you without feeling like you have have to dance on TikTok or talk about what you ate on Instagram story every day. She's a fast-talking PR strategist by day and a cat lady by night. If you're looking to amplify your message and start getting discovered, you better get cozy because Lisa's spilling the tea. Welcome to the show, Lisa Simone Richards! That is like the best intro ever. This is going to be such a fun call, especially because I mentioned my cat's outside the door right now. Like, mom, I want to come in. I know. Well, I have to say, like, something that I think that we really vibe on is that we love our pets. Like, I know I'm more of a dog lady. And you, but you're like, I hope that's okay. That I called you a cat lady. I call myself a dog lady all the time. So. Literally, like when I got married last year, my husband said in his vows in front of everyone, I'm like, oh no, they all know. He was like, while I know you love your cats and the dog that we don't even have yet more than me. And I was like, 
you're not. Oh awesome, my but I do love you a lot. You're awesome. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cute. Oh my God. Well, you know what? At least he knows. <laughs> They've been here for 12 years. He's been here for four. I love him. But my, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I, I didn't realize you're, wait, you have more than one, right? Two. You two. We've got peaches yeah. and ginger, same litter. Oh my gosh. And they are 12 years old. They're turning 12 in October and I'm so grateful that they're super healthy and I just love them to pieces. They're like coming out on the rooftop now and chilling. They made a cat neighbor friend the other day. Like, oh, my kids. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that they were 12, but yeah, my, one of my dogs is 10 and uh, my other dog is five. And yeah, the, my Alfie, the 10 year old, like, oh my God, I just, there's something about the fact that he's been there since the beginning for me, like since the beginning of like quote unquote adulthood that I just like, I can't even talk about like the day I'm going to have to say goodbye to him. It's just like, no, like Steve already has a plan. He's like, (laughs) I know that you're going to like lose your mind. Like it'll be harder than like a person for you. And I'm like completely like Peaches sleeps with me every single night. Ginger jumps on my desk. Like that'll be, oh, I can't even handle thinking about that. Yeah, me neither. Okay, so we'll we'll definitely change the subject. Um, <laughs> so I want to actually. Typically, what I do is I actually end our calls with a fun drinking game. By the way, drinking for anyone who's new here, we're we're not really drinking. I'm talking like coffee <laughs> or tea or whatever you want. But you know, hey, if you want to make it festive, whatever, no judgment. Thank you, thank you. You're right, no judgment because there is actually one that I just remembered that we did actually have gin and tonics. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have some calls where like people see a coffee mug, but I I absolutely have had wine in them before. There's no question about it. I'm like, I don't need people's judgments. It'll just look like we're drinking coffee. And one time I did a call, I was drinking water, but I wanted to make it interesting. So I put it in a martini glass and I was like, oh no, now everyone thinks I'm like midday drunk, but I'm like, it just looks more festive. Oh my God. I do that. That is literally one of my secrets. Like when I have a late call, especially since I moved to England because of the time zone, when I'm speaking to someone in the evening, but it's their morning, I like have to do something to kind of keep my brain awake. You know, I sometimes have six hour strategy calls, right? One of the things that we sell is like a VIP day. And that is quite literally six hours of me leading strategy calls. And my brain if I'm not kind of making it fun for me, like it can mm-hmm. really get exhausted, especially since these calls sometimes start at 5 p.m. my time. So I'm getting off at like 11 p.m. Mm. Like real, just because of time zone stuff. Yeah. So I have to like, I will, I actually have this like non-alcoholic gin and I will make gin and tonics for myself in like fancy glasses and fun ice cubes and just make it a party. So that is seriously a strategy after my heart. Like <laughs> Hot tip, guys. If you need to make it fun for your brain, definitely try that. It honestly works. Yeah, 100%. Do what you got to do. Agreed. Agreed. So we're, but today we don't, we just have coffee. Although I think you're drinking tea. Are you drinking coffee or tea? Literally coffee and water. It's very much coffee and water today. I'm not pulling the hidden wine trick. It's 930 in the morning on my time. Yeah. Hey, it's like 11 somewhere or whatever the saying is. Yeah. Ele- I love it was 11 somewhere for you. For me That's when they start serving in Ontario. So I don't know. Well, Hey, whatever floats your boat guys, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> well, so we're, well, I'm actually going to start with our drinking game because I just think you have such a, an amazing story. Like you've really had a very full career that I don't think until I actually started researching you a little bit, I didn't know about half of this stuff. Like I knew you're a badass at getting people like, you know, new leads and getting in front of audiences that aren't their social media following, which is definitely something we're going to talk about today. And something that 
I don't know if it's rare. I mean, I'm like an odd social media strategist. Like you, your message, I am so in line with. Like this is what I talk about all the freaking time. I'm like, posting every day on your feed is not about necessarily getting in front of new people. That is really about nurturing the relationships that are already there. But you have got to be doing work to get in front of new audiences. And that goes beyond social media. So you're one of my favorite people to talk about this because I just think you are so on the money. So I cannot wait to spill the tea on this because I think there's a lot of hot takes that like a lot of mic drops you're going to have today that people might be surprised that no, this is exactly what I believe as well. Even though I'm a social media strategist. I'm so happy to hear you say that because sometimes I get really nervous going on social media focused <laughs> podcasts because I'm like, they're going to think I hate social media with no. the messages that I send. And like, there's just such a clear distinction between content and visibility. Like you yes. said, there's content that nurtures the people who are already in your ecosystem, but that ecosystem has to keep growing. So while of course there's a value to showing up on your platform, how are you reaching new people? And like, the really cool thing about visibility is it doesn't necessarily have to mean getting on television or magazines, like maybe you're doing Instagram live with somebody else. Yeah, you're going live in someone else's Facebook group. So it doesn't have to be these big traditional things we thought about 20 years ago. It's just about leveraging somebody else's platform, no matter what that package looks like. Yeah, exactly. 1000%. So yeah, no, you don't have to worry about that with me. But I actually was wondering that if you ever get nervous about that, because like, I know your message really well. And I just like, and I know that you get on other social media podcasts. So I'm like, I wonder if everyone agrees or if people like ever give you some like pushback. Like, honestly, it just comes down to authenticity and what feels good. You know, a lot of yeah. people come to me and they're like, I don't want to dance and sing on TikTok or Instagram. And I'm yeah. like, cool. I don't either. Do I love scrolling through and watching it? A hundred percent. But I love to think about what feels authentic what feels good for you like even if someone were to come to my own instagram account they will see that like my wedding stories weren't stuff that i publish it's just reposts from all of my friends like i didn't even care about (laughs) posting my own wedding on social media i just did what others like shared what they did so it's just about knowing who you are what feels good for you and not trying to push like a round peg into a square hole if that makes sense yeah totally and i think that a big thing with this podcast actually is that I, I love bringing on guests that have different takes on what like the best marketing strategies for them. Because I think something that I want to make clear to people is like, just because something works super well for me, and this is the way that I do it, and this is the way I teach other people to do it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way for you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think people really have to start looking at marketing as things I need to try on, I need to refine, I didn't need to make this my own and be okay with not necessarily following all the experts like step by step and be like, this is the right way. And if it's not working out, like something's wrong with me. You know what I mean? Like, I get really sad that people get really like, obsessed with just doing it this one way. And the truth of the matter is like, we've all reach some kind of success, finding our own way and finding what works for you. And Hey, if you want to dance on TikTok, great, go do you. But it's like, if you don't, there are other ways. And, and you're just a great example of that. Cause I've never seen you dance on TikTok. (laughs) I I downloaded TikTok like literally last week and I'm tempted to delete it. Oh my God. You know what? That's actually my first never have I ever question. So (laughs) you know how to play never have I ever, right? I forgot to even ask you. Gosh, it's been a million years. Like, if I haven't done it, I drink. I think it. Wait, shit. I'm like, okay. It's if I say like, never have I ever been on TV. That means that I have been on TV. And so, if you've also been on TV, you drink. And if you have not been on TV, you don't drink. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically, it's a yes or no. And if it's a yes, drink and tell us the story of it. Basically, that's kind of how we're going to play today. Cool. P.S. I really. 
I really hope that is actually how that's how we're going to play today. <laughs> Someone send us an IG DM and let us know if we messed up the game. I know. I know. Which I, we probably have. I've played so many of these and I play, I think I have different rules each time because I don't really know how to play. Never have I ever. <laughs> so good. We're keeping you all on your toes, listeners. Make sure you're paying attention. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. Never have I ever. We know the answer to this now. Never have I ever danced on an Instagram reel. Not drinking. <laughs> never. I, I've never even done an Instagram reel. Wait, really? I don't think I knew that. Actually, I, I probably did know that. I bother to post on social. I keep yeah. trying to do it. And I keep saying that I'm going to, and I do it for a week. And then I'm like, oh, this doesn't land with me. So yeah. no, I, if I can do a live or a story, great. But I, I'm sorry. No, no reels. Yeah. Although I think it can be really easy. You just, you can film any video of yourself and call the reel and you're done. Yeah. Reels are actually very easy. I think people get kind of obsessed with how things look and this and that, but sometimes the the ones I spend the least amount of time on do the best for me, which I find kind of interesting, but yeah, but I, I don't know why I thought you had done at least a reel before, but you're right. I know that you do struggle getting on and staying on, but it's interesting because every time you post, you do seem to get a client. Like you feel, it seems like People are like hot to work with you. It's funny. I, it, and that just says like, hey, Lisa, guess what? Do it more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Maybe today will be the day. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of for, I'm kind of wanting to push you into posting more often because I do feel like you'd kill it. <laughs> Someone DMs me and they're like, are you dead? And I'm like, no. They're like, I haven't seen anything on your feed in months. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Never have I ever been embarrassed on live TV. No, I don't embarrass easily. <laughs> you don't seem like someone who would embarrass easily. Have you done a lot of live TV? Oh, man. Oh, so, how many? Oh, so usually I'm behind the scenes. I've probably been on air. I've been on City Line for an episode about being single. They did like a singles panel, which was kind of fun. When my buddy was on that, I did an episode, probably three on single. I did another national TV show, The Marilyn Dennis Show, called 30 Single and Loving It. So I did that one. But there was like nothing embarrassing about it. It was just Yeah, fun. it was just fun. Yeah, I love that. Never have I ever missed having a real nine to five. Hold on. So, okay. I absolutely don't miss it. Do I drink? <laughs> I already yes. forgot the rules. That would, okay, that yeah. would be me too. That would be a drink. I think yeah. though. Yeah. What about a nine to, you do not miss it. You said, Oh God, no, not in the yeah. least. Like even when business isn't going fantastically, I'm like, well, thank God I don't have to go to a job. Like it's really funny. My husband has a full-time job and he loves it. He likes the people he works with, but I hear him talk sometimes and I'm like, Whew, thank yeah. God I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> So that actually leads me to our next one. Never have I ever thought I would have to close down my business. Like, has there ever been a point where you're like, oh shit, am I, I'm oh, not figuring this out? There, oh, yes. Those moments happen frequently. I'd be lying if I said, oh, not that frequently. I've had a handful of times in the last six years where I'm like, oh, but it's never been bad enough that I'm like, maybe I'll get a job. Like, no, no, no. It's not that bad for sure. Like I'm yeah. not good at working for people. Really? That's actually, interesting. You know, I am good at working for people. I just it just doesn't make me happy. I remember having a boss and I was like, your ideas are stupid. And we have to do these meetings 20 different times. Like I can't play this game. Pretend I think this is smart. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably why they let me go. They're like, Lisa really doesn't give a shit. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, you do seem like someone who like really sees something that they want or that they want to create or that they want to do. And you really go after it, which is that how you would call it? Like describe yourself. 
Yeah, it was interesting. I was in the car with my mom yesterday and we were having that conversation. I was, and she's like, you know, my mom, bless her. I'm almost 40. And she's like, Lisa, we need to work on your patience. I'm like, mom, I have no patience. Like A, B, C, D done. Like I don't have time for the zigzagging and the what if and all the meandering. Like, let's just, what's the solution we want? How do we get there? The end. Like, I don't have a lot of patience for like a roundabout way with it. And I definitely yeah. found with corporate, they were like, okay, we need to make this change for our social media accounts. And there were five meetings about it. And like, so have we moved anywhere? And the funny thing is, seven years after I left that company, they're still in the same shift position they were before with their social accounts with some of them. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm glad I haven't been spinning on that hamster wheel for seven years. Bless you guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that is so frustrating. I, I, you know, it's funny. I've, I've never had a nine to five before I like went from being an actor to doing this and actors kind of similar to entrepreneurship, right? It's very much like it's your own thing. Sometimes you hire managers and people to kind of like a team to help you with things, but they just get a percentage of when you work. So you're not actually paying them unless you work. Right. So it's, it can, there's a lot of pressure on you. You're the one like making shit happen. And so, yeah, I went from that to being an entrepreneur and I have no idea what having a nine to five is, is like, but it feels very like from a creativity standpoint, kind of stifling. It feels like, is that, is that accurate? Would it, you say? It depends on the company that you're with. Like I, my favorite job in life was working with a fitness company for four years and we were 10 quote unquote kids all under 30. The company was making 4 million a year and we had fun. Like my boss was super cool. She'd be like in the summer, she was like, Hey, you know what? If your shit's done, it's a nice day. Go like go do something else. As long as your stuff is done. I remember she, we all worked out of a condo, which was probably super illegal. And um, (laughs) she texted me one day and was like, meet me at Starbucks. I'm like, okay. So I met her at the Starbucks and she's like, would you like an $11,000 raise? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like these things don't happen in standard corporate companies. Yeah. Like I, that's, so that's why I never did well in those, but like a small business that kind of has that entrepreneurship aspect can be really, really fun to be a part of. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I didn't even think about, I didn't even know jobs like that existed, to be honest. Like the job, oh, the, the, that was amazing. A gem. That was a real gem. It was four really, really good years with that company. Yeah. We went on trips to Hawaii, Puerto Rico. Like, oh, it was, it was great being able to get along with your colleagues. Like I remember yeah. on one, one weekend, Friday, me and my CEO went out to like a movie or for drinks or whatever after work. And then like Sunday, I think we hung out again. And then on Monday, we were back to normal. Like it was really cool that like when it was work time, the respect hat came on, like we knew what we needed to do. The lines didn't get blurred. And then when five o'clock came, we could toast be chilling friends like that. That was something really rare that you probably that was like a once in a lifetime, probably opportunity and experience. Oh my God. Is that, was that the job you had before you started your own business? No, that job before this business sucked. Um, <laughs> that was the job before that job. That was, uh, I was at that company from 2009 to 2013. Oh my God. It was a, it was a fitness company, a boot camp company. So yeah, we had a lot of freedom and flexibility in that. Yeah. Point. And is that why you got into, cause I know like when you started this business, you were just maybe, are you're not currently just working with online health coaches, right? I think you started with fitness and health, right? I started with health, fitness, and wellness entrepreneurs. Then I shifted to the coaching industry. And now I'm on my next level where I'm looking to work with, you know, those businesses that have been in business for a little while, they know it's working and they're ready to really scale. So like businesses yeah. are already in the multi six is looking to go to the seven. That's who the clients I want to work with is. And that's really inspired from having worked at that job because oh, amazing. For, when I started with them, they were making 400,000 a year. And by the end of four years, they were up to 4 million a year. And that was large, wow. honestly, largely a part of the work that I did with them, making sure people knew who they were, building the company's reputation, making people want to choose us over the 20 other boot camps that were at the park. So I was really inspired by that job, seeing like 
wow, this is what it's like when you don't work for a huge agency where you have clients like Staples and Virgin Mobile and how you can really make a difference in a small company. So I was like, you know what, like not every small business can afford to go to an agency and pay 10 grand a month for 12 months. Like I really wanted to take what I did with that small business and show other small business owners how they can do the same thing. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Okay. I need to, we need to come back to that because I want to ask more about that. Never have I ever refused to take no for an answer. Oh God, no, I don't take no for an answer. My first two, my first two internships, hold on, drink first. My first internship in beauty PR, she was on the CEO of the company was on the cover of the alum publication for the university that I went to. So I sent her an email. I'm like, Hey, I want to be your PR intern. She's like, Oh, we're not hiring interns right now. I'm like, well, yeah, you are. I want to be your PR intern. So I bullied myself into an internship. And by the end of it, they were paying me and I had a paying job when I went to PR school in September. All my colleagues were learning about it for our classmates were learning about it for the first time. Like, oh, no, I already get paid to do this. Oh, my God. And I didn't just do that once. I did that a second time. There was another PR agency that did like fashion, beauty, lifestyles, uh, Toronto International Film Festival with celebrities. I was like, hi, I'd like to be your intern. Sorry, we're not hiring interns right now. You are now. I want to work for you. And again, <laughs> got my ass an internship and they hired me by the end of it. So yeah, no, if I want something like, I, I, you know what, this is going to sound awful for the people just meeting me. I'm an only <laughs> child. <laughs> so no, this is something I'm really used to. Like, I mean, if I want something, I, I get it and I'm not afraid to work for it. So luckily that has shown up in my professional life as well. Yeah. Oh my God. See, I had actually heard that story about your internship and doing research with you. And that's why I put this on here because I feel like this is such an amazing part of your personality, you know, cause I feel like even if you are coming up against a no, like let's say you're, you're, you're like refusing to take no, but it's like, no, it's a no. Like I'm not changing my mind. You have a great way of being like, well, what if we did it this way? Like kind of changing the invitation so that it works for everyone. Like and I just think that's such a great uh, trait to have. And you so have it. I didn't know you were an only child, but I feel like this explains a lot. <laughs> it does. It really does. I think I might have been influenced by Cher. You know that in, uh, Clueless in that scene when she's walking down the hallway and she yes. got a C from Mr. Hall? Yes. And she's like, oh, it's just a jumping point for the negotiations. I was like, oh, I like that. <laughs> and I literally also did negotiate passing chem and bio because I absolutely did not pass chem and bio, but I negotiated my way into that a C in that class. Oh my God. I feel like this is your next course. (laughs) How to get everything you want. Yes. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm your first customer. If you ever decide to make that. That would be fun. And that inspires (laughs) me. I like that. (laughs) Have you ever been starstruck while being featured as a guest expert? Ooh, this is interesting. I remember some things like, I don't know if I was necessarily being featured as a guest expert. I spoke at an event in California in 29 where Rachel Hollis, who I'm not like the biggest fan of, but I mean, huge name in the industry anyway. Yeah. She was on stage at the same event. Like literally I was on the main stage alongside her um, a few hours apart, but like on the main stage and not a side room. So that was kind of cool. And I also remember going into a leadership training and they had like everybody's names lined up in alphabetical order. So I saw my name and then I saw another Lisa beside me, but this is a Lisa who like I bought her pro program a few years ago I went to California mm-hmm. to attend her live event and I was like oh, she's gonna be in the same room that's so cool she's gonna know who I am so I don't know if I was necessarily being featured in that but I have certainly been starstruck I'm like hey Lisa keep it together oh my god that's cool yeah I, I didn't know that about you either wow I'm learning so much today never have I ever slid into the dms of a decision maker to pitch for a show podcast tv or whatever it might be opportunity let's say 
I'm not sure if I have, but I've probably definitely coached my clients to do that. Like I just, I remember when I first learned maybe in 2019 or 2018 that you could actually <laughs> send voice notes and videos and DMs. I was like, what? So that just became a whole new way to connect with people. I'm really picky after like, I remember years ago, this must in like early 2010s, I couldn't find an editor's work email address, but I knew her Gmail. And so I just sent it to her Gmail and she wrote back super pissed. Like, why are you bringing this to my personal account? Like, this is a work question. Email me at work. So after that episode, like, I totally respect people having boundaries. I don't like when clients text me or email my personal account. Like, this is supposed to be fun. And now you're showing up in my text messages. Like, don't. That's for friends and family, people who don't have to pay me. Yeah. So I'm careful about sliding up in people's DMs with pitches. Um, depending on how I see them use their account, like if it's all pictures of their kids at ballet, like I'm not going to slide in there with a pitch. But if I see you're sharing articles you've done and other things, like, yeah, I'll give it a whirl, see if that works. Yeah, I like that. And pitching or or is using the DM part of your strategy now, like any point? Typically in like post PR. So when my clients do a television segment, for example, the call to action changes for me, you know, on a podcast, it's like, oh, download my lead magnet here. But when my clients on television, I'm like, follow me on Instagram is the the call to action I have them do. But I also tell them to pre-record an Instagram story before they go live on TV. So that the second someone lands on their profile, there's already content directed at them. So that's when we start going into the DM strategy, some sort of call to action in whatever IG story they post. And then that's when I have them start doing the DMs. So if someone's on TV, I'm like, book your morning to just respond to people, to send them videos, to send them audios and start building that connection, that rapport with them. Because they're like, they see you on TV. They think you're cool and some sort of celebrity. So capitalize on that. Send them a video where you say their name. They're like, oh my God, that's so cool. This person on TV said my name. And then I have them build out a relationship from there and then slide into the DMs with what next steps can look like. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Now, with regards to coaches, or I mean, this could, I guess, go for anyone, but like, at what point is, do we need to start thinking about PR? Because I feel like a lot of people, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to wait until they figured out what they're doing and they have their offer. Like, okay, I don't know if you know this about me, but when I started my business, mom still doesn't know I was driving Uber as a side hustle at the time and she never will. I took her off my email list. She cannot know that. She will kill me. (laughs) Oh, what were we talking about? Why did I starting to tell the Uber story? At what point do you need to right. do okay. PR? So, so I launched my first course in early 2016. I remember getting my tax refund. I gave the whole thing to a designer and a brander to like make my pretty logo and my website and my course and all that stuff. So when I came to launch it, I was like, here's my course. And guess what? There was literally no buyers in front of me. My friends and family were like, that's great. Congrats. Like, comment. That's really nice. But like, I didn't have buyers. And it's crazy as someone who does this as a living, getting people publicity. I'm like, oh, right. I need to make sure the right people know I exist before I launch something. Yeah. So that's when I was like, right, you need to do this for yourself. So 100%. If you're the best at what you do, that's grand freaking fantastic. But people can't work with you if you're the best kept secret. So even if yeah. you just are about to launch something, guess what? It's probably going to not go that well if people don't know you exist. So literally from day one, whether it's podcasts or, or doing IG lives or guest training in somebody else's mastermind, you've got to be getting in front of qualified leads. So yeah. And I actually feel like, you know, because a lot of people are going to be saying, this is kind of what we alluded to at the beginning, but a lot of people are going to be like, oh yeah, but like I post every day on social media. Like I'm already trying to get visible. Like, isn't that enough for if I'm just starting out in business. And I think like we, we've talked a little bit about the difference between posting content every single day and, and getting visible and what that looks like. But I'd love to hear how you explain the difference for people. 
Yeah. So for me, like when you're posting on your own platforms, number one, we know the algorithm isn't showing it to all, let's say 1000 of your followers, maybe it's getting in front of like 200 of them. And are they following you for the right reason? So for me, when it comes to visibility, my strategy is there is someone out there who has a group of my ideal clients all hanging out together, whether it's already in a Facebook group, whether it's a mastermind, like someone who's working with a business coach, guess what, they're not building a business to be a secret, they want people to know about it. Maybe they're attending conferences. So I am a huge fan of riding other people people's coattails. You've already done the work to build the audience of the people who I want to get in front of. How do I just figure out how I can offer value to that audience and get my foot in the door? So I can just spend 30 minutes having a chat, being on stage, doing a guest training or whatever it is, doing it in front of qualified leads, not just anybody who might happen to follow me. And if those people liked the content that I shared, I've given them value. I've given them, you know, regardless if someone follows me or not, everybody has learned something and they're richer than they came. The right people who like what I have to offer are going to say, hey, Lisa, tell me more about how I can work with you. So I just, someone else has done the work. I'm going to ride off their coattails. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, I love that. And do you find that you like, is it usually the same content that you're sharing for these different audiences? Do you like change it up? Or like when, A lot when of do the you time, change honestly, things? I like to use the same content over and over again. The truth is, is it boring for me? 100%. It's repetitive. <laughs> it's a lot of the same stories over and over again. But Lisa Sasevich, who was the person I was talking about when I went to that training, I was like, Oh my God, there's Lisa Sasevich is here. And I saw her name badge <laughs> beside mine. I remember going to her speak to sell event in 2017. And she said a line from her father that I just thought was brilliant. And I still think about it today. Don't change your talk, change your audience. Mm. Don't change your talk, change your audience. So for everybody else, it's always new people who are hearing the message. Even if people have heard my message before, they've heard a million other ones. They probably don't remember mine anyway. So it's just reinforcing it. So it's really helpful for me. Anytime I come on a podcast, it's not like, okay, let me do my research. What am I going to talk about? I need to, no, no, just turn on, we go. Because I've said the same thing a million times. And honestly, depending on the conversation, it's always going to shift. If I'm at a conference and a speaker has like, you know, bailed last minute and they're like, oh, we need someone. Oh, I I already have my signature talk ready to go. I can go on stage. Only child syndrome. Hey, everyone, put your phones down. Pay attention (laughs) to me. I'm here now. So it just makes it really easy to be able to say the same thing over and over again. But it also creates that consistency for the person who's looking to work with you. And they're going down that Lisa Simone Richards rabbit hole. If I'm talking about one thing here, a different thing there, another thing somewhere else, maybe they're not going to feel as confident taking out their credit cards with Malibu all over the place. But once they hear me talking about something on repeat, and they're actually coming to me repeating my systems and my methods to me, that creates that buy-in. So I'm a big believer in consistency. Yeah. Like if if like a speaker falls out and you're like, oh, I've got to talk. Has that happened to you before? You said that like that's happened to you before. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm ready for when it does. (laughs) That's a brilliant strategy. I love that. (laughs) I've heard other people share that story. Like a speaker dropped out and I was there and ready. And I'm like, that's brilliant. So I'm always on the ready. Like my talk, it's just a series of pictures. When I see the picture, I know the story that comes up with it. So I'm good. Oh my gosh. I've never thought about that, but yeah, that is so good. And you know, what's interesting is I don't think I've thought about, I love that. Don't change your talk, change your audience. That's so brilliant. And I, I think that I kind of did that by accident when I first started my business. Like I start always was answering these same series of questions and I like, I put them together in like a deck and I just kind of had this thing ready. And then I started like asking friends, like who had audiences, like, Hey, you want, should I like, do you want me to do like a free talk about social media to your people? And I just shared the exact same conversation again and again, again, completely by accident, not even to grow an audience. It was more about just like, 
I want to be known as this person who knows about this thing. That is, I didn't even think beyond that, right? But that's exactly what ended up happening. Like people started joining my email list. People started knowing me as that thing. I built a membership on the back of it. Like it's it's really bananas how effective that is. And you're just pretty much creating one piece of content. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's like as business owners, we're busy doing so many things. You don't constantly want to come up with something else. Like I always tell my clients, I'm a publicist. I love coming up with new ideas and pitches. Yeah. That is my job. You're an entrepreneur and a business owner. This is an angle and an aspect of what you do. So how can I make this as simple and lather, rinse, repeat as possible? So I work with yeah. them on a pretty general podcast. Like truth be told, I have had the same podcast pitch since August of 2021 and we're recording this in July. It's literally almost the one year anniversary of my podcast pitch that I use over and over again. And now I'm thinking about shifting it simply because I'm shifting audiences and my message gets to change. But how nice is it that for the last year, one of my strategies the last six months really is to pitch 10 podcasts every single week. So I'm pitching 40 podcasts a month. Typically I'll book maybe 10 to 15 interviews a month. And I literally sit down on Disney plus watching the latest episode of the Kardashians and sending out my pitches simply because I don't have to shift it all the time. I can do it mindlessly while I'm watching television. And what I love is the hosts always come back and they're like, Lisa, that was such a good pitch. Like I can tell it's not copy and pasted. You really were paying attention to me in my show. I'm like, <laughs> totally copy and paste four lines in it. But that's the power of having something that's really easy to do over and over again. Yeah. Like, why make it hard? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you pitch 10 a week. I was going to ask you how... It takes me 30 minutes and I'm watching yeah. the Kardashians because every time people hear that, they're like, that must take so much time. No, I took time last July, a year ago, yeah. to craft a really good podcast pitch. And now I can literally see what Courtney and Kim are up to while I send it out the door. <laughs> it takes me 30 yeah. minutes a week just while I'm watching TV now. Oh my God. Is there any part that you do change in the pitch? Like, do oh, you yeah, know, like, 100%. the beginning? Yeah. Um, there, I can even say the four things that I change. Like, obviously, dear name or case. I'm <laughs> more informal. So I change the name. I change the mention of the name of the actual podcast show. And I always like to refer to two episode titles that landed with me. I never lie and say two episodes that I loved are because I may not have listened to it. But I always say two titles of your show that really landed with me. And I just go to iTunes. I'm like, if I were to listen to this show, which ones would I listen to? That and that. Two titles that landed with me are A and B. That's it. Name, name of podcast, two episode titles. Everything else is exactly the same. Let's take a quick break because I've got a great opportunity for you and it's totally free. I know something you want to do is grow your audience, which is why I've created the pitch database. This is actually a database inside of my membership called what the heck to post where members can search for like-minded coaches who are looking for collaborators. However, even if you're not a member, you can still be in the pitch database. You can't use it to find people to pitch to like my members can, but they can find you to pitch to you. So why not get your contact info in another location to increase the chances of collaborating to grow? Once you create a profile, which only takes a few minutes, you can edit it whenever you want if anything ever changes. Just go to getcoachsocial.com forward slash pitch to me. Again, that's getcoachsocial.com forward slash pitch to me. All one word, no spaces and no dashes. Cool. Let's get back to the show. When we get to the Q&A section, someone did say that like they struggle finding podcasts to pitch you. Do you have like go-to resources that you use or where? how do you find them? I have three different strategies that I use to find them. I'll drop one of these now. And I have a VA who just like knows my process. We literally never talk anymore. Just every <laughs> week she's like, here are your latest shows. Here are your latest shows. It's such so repeatable. So one of the things I share with people when they're like, okay, I want to be on podcasts, but I don't even know where to begin. Success leaves clues. 
Who is mm-hmm. somebody who is three to five steps ahead of you in your industry doing something similar? We're not copying, but you're like, you know what? If I could have a career like theirs, that would be awesome. Go on Google and type their name plus podcast, Lisa Simone Richards podcast, Sophia Para podcast. And it's going to bring up on Google all the shows that they've been on. And what that tells you, number one, it's a show that talks about your topic because yeah. they've been on it. Number two, it's not a solo cast. It's a show that does interviews. So all you need to do is come up with, okay, I can still speak about this topic. I just need to come at it with a different angle than that person did. And that's a built-in way to start finding shows right off the jump. Yeah. Oh my God. I cannot believe you just said that because I did this by accident the other day. I was like looking for something. I can't remember what. And I Googled their name to find this thing. And I just, a bunch of their podcasts popped up. And I was like, damn, I could be on all of these podcasts. And I just took their names down. I was like, I'll pitch to these later. And I was like, so when you just said that, I was like, holy shit. Cause that's so like to actually put that into a process where this is what you do every week. And you have a VA that can help you do that. That's genius. That's so smart. And what's even better is I love doing this on iTunes. I don't know if iTunes even still exists and I just have it on my computer and everyone's on Apple Music now. I'm very much an Android PC girl. But when I search a show on pot, on, on the, when I search a show within iTunes, when I land on that show and it's listing out all the episodes, if you go to the bottom of that page, it'll also say listeners also subscribe to. Oh. So now I'm finding a bunch of shows similar to this one. And I'm like, oh, that could be a fit and that could be a fit. And as soon as I open show number two, for example, scroll to the bottom, listeners also subscribe to. So you can just go down a rabbit hole where iTunes keeps feeding you and feeding you all these different options. You can find hundreds of shows that way. That's amazing. So you pitch, so that's step one. And then you pitch to 10 a week and you change just like the the parts of your pitch just to make it very, you know, aligned to their, to them. So it feels personal. And, but in terms of the topics that you talk about, like that stuff, that stays the same because you're pitching to people that that conversation fits really nicely into, right? Exactly. Amazing. And of the 40 a month, let's say, did you say you, you book like 10 or so? Yeah. I love talking about the rejection factor. Cause I think yeah. that's something that really scares people. They're like, Oh, yeah. what if people say no, or they delete it and it's going to make them feel bad. So I think it's really important for people to hear. I'm somebody who has been in this industry for 20 years. When I pitch 40 shows a week, I probably book 10 to 15 interviews. So that's like what a 25 or so percent return rate. So I could dwell on the fact, actually a really concrete number I can share is in January, I sent 50 pitches and I booked 12 shows. So that means I got 38 no's or deletes or never heard back from. I got on 12 shows. I connected with 12 new people. I got in front of their audiences. Some of those 12 hosts that I connected with, they're mailing for me about my latest workshop. They're JV and affiliate partners now. So I could spend my time being all like, 38 people didn't get back to me. But I could be like, yo, if I can get on 12 shows every month for the course of this year, that's 144 different audiences I got in front of without paying for it using Facebook ads talking for 30 minutes about content that's valuable to the listener. And if the person has listened for 30 minutes, that means they like what they're saying and they're a warmer lead and they're likely going to come into my world. So um, I'm not going to spend my time being butthurt over the people who didn't get back to me. (laughs) It's cool. It didn't land. That's entirely fine. It's not going to be a fit for everyone. But thank goodness I took it on myself to say yes to those 12 people because they're introducing me to other podcast hosts. Like it was actually funny in my mentorship group yesterday, we did a little round table. Like, how did you find me podcast? How did you find me guest trading in someone else's class? How did you find me on a podcast? Like, great guys, you're all here because of exactly what I'm teaching you. 
Yes. Oh, that's so effective too. That is so true. And I feel like people really do. They are so afraid to put themselves out there because of this rejection piece. And it's just like, guys, like who cares? Like in order to get that one, yes, you're going to get three no's. And like, is that really the end of the world? We're celebrating the yes, not the no. The yes is what's going to open doors for you. Even if it's one a month, like that's something versus you just doing nothing because you're afraid to get rejected. Absolutely. And when you think about like what a lead costs on Facebook now, like I would much rather, and especially like the thing that always comes up for me with paid visibility. So running ads versus earned media, which is when you're being, you know, giving value and showing up as an expert. I always think about, and I'm someone who's run Facebook ads. I've worked with an agency on it. The second I turn off my ad spend, my content's gone. Facebook doesn't care about me. There isn't a trace left behind. Someone logged onto Facebook today to see what their friends are up to, not to click on a webinar. And they may sign up for it, but they're not going to remember who I am 10 minutes later. I would rather just spend 30 minutes chatting with someone and have that content be evergreen. Anytime someone does a search for that topic or they're just binge listening to a show, I can come up and that episode keeps working for me. Yeah. Do you have like a follow-up strategy for the the people that say no? Like, do you follow up with them three months later or... After, so what my process actually looks like during the Kardashians, love them or hate them, people. Um, I love I them, spend, by the way. The fact that you watch the Kardashians just made my freaking day. <laughs> oh, that's the only reason I got Disney Plus, and now it's done. And like, thank goodness this season finished before my husband and I. No, I think my husband and I moved in. There were two episodes left. So when he goes to work during the day, I'm like, what's up, Kim? Because he would so much be to hear that going on in the background. Yeah, so my typical process is I'll send out 10 pitches, but I'll also send a follow up to the 10 that I pitched the week before. Just a really quick line. Hey, I'm about to dive into your latest episode, whatever the title is, just so I follow up in case it got lost in the shuffle. And sometimes people, actually a number of times, people are like, oh my God, I meant to get back to you. Oh my God, I didn't see your initial pitch. It went into junk. I was in the middle of a launch last week and I didn't have time to respond. Thanks for checking in. So I found one follow up and then I kind of let it go from there. And if I come up with a new pitch, you know, which I haven't done for a year, and then I might send them the new one later on. But I don't, like, there's so many options out there. I don't like kill myself to follow up three times with somebody. Like, if you want, if you don't want it, you don't want it. That's completely okay. I'm not going to force it down your throat. Yeah. Do you have any like ninja tips or moves that you do to make it more likely that you're going to get a yes? Heck yes, I do. Um, (laughs) One of them is, I have a few PS strategies that I use. So if there's a show that you really want to get on to, um, like, you know, you're not going to take the time to do this for everyone, but you're like, I can get on this one. This would change my life. Make sure you leave a rating and a review for the show and then post a screen grab out of it in your pitch email. Because even if they're not necessarily interested in the topic, you'd have to be a real dick not to write back to somebody who took the time to leave your rating. And I love that we can just be so unfiltered on this show. I usually have to be like composed and polite about what I say. Now I'm just like super raw. Yeah, if you take the time to leave a rating review and they see that, chances are they're not going to just hit delete. They'll at least take the time to say, hey, you know what? This isn't a fit right now. Thank you so much for being a listener. And then you're like, great. We can play share from Coolis and start the negotiations. Totally understand that that didn't land for you as a topic. What do you think about XYZ instead? Ooh, love that. I love that. And do you do anything like when you are a guest on a podcast, like to kind of leverage that opportunity? Is there like something that you say or do to get get another referral for another podcast or like do something to collaborate with them? Or is there something that you do? You know what? I will totally just be honest. There is a strategy that I ran for two months. It didn't net out for me. So I've paused on it, but I still completely see the value just because something didn't work the first time or it yeah. doesn't mean we throw it out. Like I'm pausing on it, but I see the value in this. You know how a lot of people do affiliates? So it's like, yeah. hey, if you share this, you'll get a 10% commission. I did something 
I may say so myself, a little smarter than that. So something that I was (laughs) doing is at the end of interviews, I would host once a month a podcast party. So after I've been on a show, I'll send an email to the host saying, thank you so much for letting, you know, having me on your show. I have two ways I'd love, one of two ways that I would love to give back to you. Take your pick. Number one, I can just send an introduction to two other hosts that you could maybe be a guest on their show. They could be a guest on yours. Or if you'd like, you know, we sweeten the pot with better option. Um, once a month, I host a podcast party where I have 10 different hosts come in. We come into a room, you do some networking, meet 10 other people who could be guests or guests on your show. But I'm also going to teach you exactly how I book t- 10 podcast plus every single month. And the way to get into my podcast party is if you're willing to share my upcoming workshop. And if you're not, no, all good. Then I'll still introduce you to two other people I'm still giving to you. But if you want to learn this way that I find podcasts on re- all you need to do is mail your audience about this pro, this workshop I'm doing completely free. And a lot of people are like, I want to learn how you find all those shows. And, you know, I just shared one strategy with you about success leaves clues. I yeah. have two others in my back pocket. So I share, you know, if you want to come to the podcast party, I can teach you. And they're like, I want to learn that. And they're willing to, like, they don't care that much about getting a 10% kickback, but they want to learn that strategy that they can use for the rest of their business. So people say yes, they come. And then they're all mailing for me about my upcoming workshop. I'm like, that's a lot warmer. And then they mentioned, oh, and she was also on the podcast. You can listen to the episode here. So that's how I get more from just more juice from just talking on a show for a few minutes. Oh my God, Lisa, I need to like, I wish I could drop this mic on the ground, but it's too fucking expensive. (laughs) (laughs) I had that mic. It didn't work for me. I'll drop mine in in your honor. Um, Yeah, actually I have issues with this mic too, but I still can't drop it. God, that is so so smart. That like that's brilliant. Is that workshop? Just out of curiosity, is that evergreen? Like, or is it a live workshop? It's a live workshop that I typically teach every other month. Um, yeah. I'm refinessing the way that I do it and where I host it right now, which is why I haven't done a podcast party in the last month or so. So as yeah. I figure out how I'm going to retool it, I'll reintroduce that. But I think it's a nice way to create a win-win for everybody. If you don't yeah. want to mail, that's totally cool. I'm still happy to do two introductions for you. If you want to come, great. I get introduced to new people. You learn a skill that's going to last for the life cycle of your business. Yeah. And for the people who like it, they get to come and learn these things that they didn't know about before. It's a free two-day intensive training. So everybody yeah. wins in that situation. Oh, so good. So good. I'm applauding, but I don't know how that's going to sound sound-wise. Uh-huh. So I'm not actually going to applause. <laughs> are there like... Because I we've talked a lot about podcasts because I think that's kind of like how what people know about. But like, are there other forms of media or visibility that you suggest? And so like, what would be the so- differences of the of them as well? Yeah, it always comes down to like, what are someone's business goals? Like, what is the type of business that they're running? So for brick and mortar clients who have like a physical location, like local newspapers, not sexy, but hey, if the only way you make money is from someone walking into your door, and it doesn't matter if someone on the other side of the country saw it, let's focus on what makes sense for you. So typically with my clients, I always encourage them to have what I call a healthy media mix. Um, People like consuming content in different ways. They like to watch it, they like to listen to it, or they like to read it. So I like for them to choose one of each. So if it comes to how they can be read about, does that mean, you know, being interviewed for an article or even contributing a uh, blog post to another platform so people can read their content? Is it something audio like being a guest on a podcast or maybe co-hosting and moderating a room on Clubhouse? so that people can listen to that content. And when it comes to being seen, you know, people think about traditional things like getting on stage at a conference or being on television. But like we said at the start of this conversation, it can be going live on someone else's Instagram account, doing a training in somebody else's membership site or inside of their group. It could be um, going live in their Facebook group. 
So there are a lot of different ways to get visibility. I just really encourage people, have a way that people can read about you, people can hear you, and people can see you. So no matter how they like to consume content, you're getting in front of them. And if somebody likes you and they're going to search your name and go down that rabbit hole, now they have multiple ways to consume your content because you've done one of each of the three. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Now, is there kind of like, if we're doing a little bit of each every month, let's just say, is there like, or actually, I, is that kind of how you'd recommend it? I would so honestly, like if I was with my clients, I would have them focus on one and just go ham on it and then yeah. do the next one and go ham on it. So like once we've perfected your podcast pitch, get it out to 20, 50 shows, just do podcasts for a little while, then take a pitch that we're going to do for television. Let's get that out. So you can take a course of a few months, but I'm always remembering again, like I said, like my clients aren't publicists, they don't want to do this stuff all day. So I'm like, how can I make this simple as possible? So it becomes a brainless task that's easy yeah. for them to implement. And once they've got it down, great. Now let's move on to the next thing. Oh, so good. So good. I already know there's like a ton of people listening right now. They're like, all right, I'm in, I'm game. I'm going to do this. Like I need to get my face out there. What would be like the first steps that you think that they need to do just to set themselves up for success or make sure that they've got handled or however you want to word that? So the first thing I always have my clients do is we talk about what I call the ABCs of visibility. And this is really getting intentional and crystal clear on what is the purpose of being seen. So when I think about the ABCs of visibility, A stands for awareness. This is when you need your ideal client, the person who can buy from you to know who you are and that you exist. And it's really interesting, even coming from a fitness background, I'll have a lot of personal trainers or studio owners say to me, Lisa, I work with women who are going to the gym for the first time, you know, maybe they're not super familiar with um, working out in a physical setting. And I want to get featured in oxygen, shape, muscle, or not, not shape, like oxygen, muscle and fitness, like all the bodybuilding magazines. And I'm like, hey, guess what? Your ideal client who's never been to the gym before is not reading hardcore fitness magazines. <laughs> So we need to tweak where you get seen. So it might not be something you're interested in, but it's where your ideal client is. So maybe we're getting you in shape or self or something that's a little more gentle and easy for people to absorb. So A is awareness. B stands for buzz. If you're launching a course or something, you can't just mention it once and think it's going to sell out. It's like when a movie comes out, you're hearing about it all over the place. The actors are getting in a relationship. Somebody broke up. They're on Entertainment Tonight. They're on podcasts. Like it's strategic that you're hearing about it all over the place and it's hitting you over the head so many times that you're like, what is this? Let me consider seeing this movie. So you want to do something similar like that when you have something coming out. Are you going to go on a podcast blitz and be on 10 plus podcasts in one month? So people are hearing you all over the place. One of my clients is a fertility coach. So she works with women who want to get pregnant. So she just gets featured on a ton of fertility podcasts. And somebody who's listened to one podcast statistically is listening to eight. So if you're a woman looking to get pregnant and you're listening to a bunch of fertility podcasts and you hear Nora, Nora DeBoer is her name, you hear Nora's name over and over again. And she's talking about her four R's to getting pregnant. Like that is your ideal client. They are hearing about you everywhere. And by the time they book a call with Nora, they're repeating her four R methodology to her because they've heard her on so many pregnancy shows. So that's B, which is creating buzz. Finally, C stands for credibility. So this is where you're not like necessarily hustling to get the next client, but you want to elevate your status, your expertise, your authority, your perception. So maybe this is when you want to be featured for those personal trainers in Oxygen and Strong and those bodybuilding magazines that are really good. You know, when someone sees it on your bio or they see the logos on your website, they're like, whoa, that person's legit. Or the people whose courses you've bought, you're appearing on the same stages as them and you're in the green room with them. So really being clear on, are you doing this so that you can build awareness, so that you can build buzz, or so that you can build credibility is the first place to start. Because if you're just picking PR strategies nilly-willy, like, 
are you going to get the result that you're going for? So yeah. I always ask them, what is the goal that you're creating in your business? And then once I understand that, we can talk about what's actually going to make the most sense for you. Oh my God, that makes so much sense. And something that I think people do not like they don't go, like buy into strategies with enough intention sometimes. Like they're like, oh yeah, I want this result. But like, they're really not thinking about <laughs> if their strategy is actually going to help them get that result. Like, I love that. The ABCs. That's awesome. Oh, okay. So much good stuff here. I'm getting so freaking excited. I feel like we should go into some questions yeah. because, um, yeah, these are questions that came from my audience and, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say for them. Cause I just know you're going to fix their, fix their life. So, okay. Number one, I get on podcasts a lot and I do grow on social media and also on my email list, but not by much. I think the podcasts I'm on don't have very big audiences. So that could be why, but I'm not sure how to tell the difference. Is there a way that you can investigate the audience size of a podcast before you pitch to them? So podcasters don't have to disclose how many listeners are getting a month. So it is kind of hard from a general perspective. I will mention a product here that was developed by a friend of mine that I think is really helpful. Uh, so one of my good friends, and I'm a huge believer in collaboration over competition, uh, is a woman named Christina Nicholson. She's a publicist for online coaches too, and she has an agency. And she started um, a software called Podcast Clout. Uh, C-L-O-U-T, Podcast Clout. And with her software, when you're looking up shows to get featured on, it only shows the top 100 in every category. So using a tool like that is going to make sure you're not just using like a podcast that got launched next week, but you're actually getting the shows that rank for the industry that you want to be featured on. Of course, if it's top 100 show, it is likely getting a lot of traffic downloads and listeners. So if I was really specific about wanting to be on bigger shows, I'd be relying on a tool like that where I know it's only feeding me the latest shows that are actually like have huge listeners. Ooh, yeah. Podcast cloud. That's a new one. I've not, not heard about that one. I love that. Great. Next question. I understand the importance of getting in front of new audiences, but I don't know how to find podcasts to pitch to. We kind of talked about this. I'm not a huge podcast listener myself, but I target high ambitious women who are trying to get fit. So pretty common niche. But because I'm so unaware of podcasts, I just don't know how to find the right ones to pitch to. Where do you find podcasts to pitch to? And do you know podcasts who target high ambitious women? I feel like we, we have talked about this, but I'll let you recap if you feel like uh, you want to. Yeah, so rewind and go back to the successfully strategies clues. <laughs> who is somebody who's a few steps ahead of you that you would love to emulate in their career? Type their name in on Google plus the word podcast, and that'll bring up a bunch of results that you can piggyback off of. Alternatively, I feel like in the online space, we do so much like guesswork playing in our heads, like ideal client avatar. It's a woman named Katie who has a dog yes. and two kids. Like <laughs> go ask your clients, like don't come up with it in your head. Like who are your favorite clients that you've worked with in the past? Who are people that you know yeah. that would be the exact kind of person that you want to work with? Shoot them a text give them a call, send them a message on Facebook, whatever, carrier pigeon. Hey, what <laughs> podcast are you listening to when you want yeah. information on XYZ topic? And let them tell you, boom. Yeah. You're going to find more people like them listening to it. Yeah. This is honestly like, I think for the most part, when I didn't know the answers to something, I'm not guessing. I'm also not even, I love you who asked this question. This is not shade on you. I'm happy you asked the question, but also like, don't, ask the expert, ask the person you're targeting, like go straight to the source, hear it from them. They know the answer better than we do. Like we have strategies and we have ways to help you as much as we possibly can, but you're going to get the most accurate answer if you just go straight to the source and ask them. <laughs> Listening is so important. And I'm saying this even for myself, like one of the best strategies or 
you know, yeah, I guess it's a strategy that I heard from a coach before is to always keep a post-it note and pen beside you as you're doing your client calls and track what are the questions that they're asking yeah. you. Because people are like, oh, what? Maybe I learned from you. Who knows? Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, what kind of content should I create? Write yeah. down the questions that your eyes clients are asking you. That is your content. It's not just what came up in your head. It's yep. what your people are telling you they're struggling with. That's how yeah. you're a valuable resource to them. Yeah, that is totally what I what I talk about. And and like I said earlier, when we were talking about the, you know, um, don't change the talk, change the audience, like that talk, my initial talk was literally that. It was just a series of questions I always get asked and how I would respond to them. I didn't know how to create a talk. I just knew the answers. So I was like, okay, I'll just put this all in a like a, like a pitch deck or whatever, and I'll just answer the questions I always get, and I'll have Q and A for other questions that people want afterwards. Like that was my talk, and it was literally from discovery calls. Like these are the questions they always ask, so that became my talk, and that's my that was my only content for like a whole year. <laughs> I just shared it, it with different audiences right off of you. Yeah, yeah, love it. Great advice. Um, last question. I pitch once a week and have been for the past six months. Okay. And now, now that I know how often you pitch, I, I like, I'm like, damn, this is anyways, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. <laughs> uh, I, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting excited. Um, I pitch once a week and have been for the past six months. I have been on a total of five podcasts. I feel like I should be on more considering how often I pitch or am I just totally naive and actually pitching once a week for six months isn't enough. Is there a go-to ratio I should be aiming for? Yeah, well, I'm here. We I shared before this. that I'm probably one in four, one in five shows I reach out to, I will get a yes to. And I think at some point I calculated, like, based on how many episodes have come out, how many clients have I gotten? And like, okay, I need to, I know I need to be on X amount of shows to get yeah. X amount of clients. And I know what the value per client is. So once I, once I've tracked that, I'm like, okay, great. This is how many shows we need to be on a month. Mathematically, this is where we're going to net out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah once I'm a month is totally less good for you coming up with that um, <laughs> pitching the podcast but again this is why I have a standard template and I talk about the same thing over and over again like if you feel like you need to come up with a new pitch for every show you're reaching out to of course you're not going to be reaching out yes. to as many as you'd like to because you're busy running your business and serving your clients and doing the administrative stuff but if you have that lather rinse repeat topic and you know when people are like oh what should I even talk about on podcasts a lot of the time I'm like do an overview of whatever your methodology or system is like you know I talked about the ABCs of visibility just now or take the first step of whatever your process is, because generally when you're working with clients, a lot of them follow the same process. Take that first step and go all the way deep so that anyone listening to it can put into practice, get a result, get the momentum going. And then they're going to be like, well, I don't want to stop now. I want to do the next step. And you're going to be the obvious next choice. So do an overview of your system or really dive deep on the first one. And that's your content right there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like to, to answer this person's question around like ratio and stuff, like, I mean, you, you meant, you kind of talked about this already, Lisa, but it's like, it's very much like decide what you want from it. Right. And work backwards. So for me, like in the beginning, I actually, my goal is actually email list growth, not even mm -hmm. clients, because I just have like, I'm just doing something different right now. And, and so I was trying to, so I was looking, okay, how much do I want to grow every month? And then it was kind of like, experimenting. I was literally going into it like a science person, a, science per a scientist. <laughs> That's how you know we're in media communication, a science person. <laughs> and I was just looking like, okay, I added this amount. I was on this number of podcasts and I just like work and it's not going to be per a perfect figure every single month because it depends on a lot of different factors. But 
And, but I just work backwards from there. I'm like, okay, I need to work on, I need to be on this number of podcasts every single month. I need to pitch that many times to get that many yeses. And like, that's my formula, right? So it could be as simple as like, I don't know where you got that figure of just, I'm going to post once a month. And Lisa shared so many great tips of it. Not, t- I bet anything this person was like, it takes so long to pitch. I can only do one a week, but clearly we can do more than that. Cause Lisa's pitching to 10 a week. And she shared really clear formulas for finding the right person, having a pitch. You also have a pitch template. Well, I'll talk, ask you to talk about that in a second and, and getting that out. But yeah, I think that I pitch three times a week and I have been feeling in my gut, I need to pitch more. So I think that we could all be doing more with, with our pitching. It could be a little bit bolder <laughs> on the numbers. Yeah, and just like do double duty. Like we're all busy. So I mean, at some point, I'm sure taking some time for a wine, watch a little mindless yeah. YouTube or something if you're anything like me. So again, once you have that core template done, you just need to change those four lines and then hit send, hit send, hit send. Yeah, totally. You know, there was another question that I didn't put on this list, but I think it'd be a good one to talk about. I have like a couple of people that feel like, you know, I'm getting on podcasts. I actually feel like my pitch works really well. And, um, and I know what I'm talking about and I, I'm not spending forever. Like they're doing all the right things, but what they find is when they get on the actual podcast, people aren't gravitating towards them. Like they thought, like they feel, they feel like they could be, that they need to be almost like delivering their content differently or maybe sharing their lead magnet more often. Or like there's something that there's a disconnect around how to get them off of the podcast and into their community. Is that anything that you've, that you, you know talk about? What I think could be coming up there playing from a troubleshooting perspective is too many calls to action. A lot of the time mm. the host will be like, where can our listeners find you? This is my website. Here's my download. This is my Instagram account. This is my LinkedIn. Literally no one liked your episode enough that they're going to stop and do all of those things. <laughs> so every time I'm on a show, I do my very best and I'm not 100% successful with it, but I only have one call to action. Download yeah. this thing and get on my email list. That's it. There's like, if the host prods me and they're like, where can they find you on social? I will share, but I like to just say one thing. People will probably take the time to stop and do one thing if they like what you were talking about for 30 minutes. And then once somebody's on my email list, then I can have a funnel that's like, follow me on Instagram, join my Facebook group here, blah, 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 whatever the, what it is to do next. But if there's one clear call to action, and of course that lead magnet has to relate to what you just talked about on the show. If I talk about PR and I'm like, download my four recipes, like it's not going to compute. I'm sure everyone already figured that, just saying it to be safe. But once you have that one clear call to action, just like when I was talking about with TV, we're talking about podcasts now, so this is not your podcast strategy, but with my clients on TV, don't tell them your website, don't tell them your lead magnet, just tell them to follow you on Instagram. Then once they're on Instagram and you have that story for them, you can start taking them into other places. So I think one clear call to action is always your best bet. And I think people muddy it up and they're like, you can do this and this and this. And people don't like choices. Yeah. Yeah. And do you ever feel like, cause I had someone else ask me, should my one call to action be a paid offer or a free offer? I think I will probably guess your opinion on this, but I'm just curious if you have one. <laughs> I go with a free offer because it's like dating. People just yeah. don't know you that well yet. Like they're not going to, 30 minutes is a great time to get some free content. And now they're ready to go a little bit deeper. You're not going to have as many people like your offer can be date me some more, jump into bed with me. Like <laughs> not that many people are going to go straight into bed. Like it's like dating. We're courting them. So give them yeah. something free, give them more value. You know, for those of you who've read, um, what is the Gary V book? Jab, 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 right hook. Give value, give value, give yeah. value. Then go in with the offer. Yeah. Oh, love it. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Where can people find you and learn from you? 
So this is where I have to practice what I preach. <laughs> so for those of you who want to do podcast pictures, you're not quite sure what to write. I literally just let people see my template. You can see exactly yeah. what I wrote word for word to book onto Abby Herman's The Content Experiment podcast. And below this download, there's actually a fill in the blank template. So you can take my template, drop in your information, and boom, you've got your podcast pitch. So for those of you who want to download it, it's available at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. And you can get my template to see exactly how I do it, fill in the blanks and have your own. So again, that's downloadable at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. That is awesome. And I have to speak, Lisa's pitch is awesome. It's actually where I learned to pitch. Um, and I've since obviously like you learn your flavor and you refine to fit for you and, and things adjust. But Lisa is where I figured it out. She is so good at what she does. I'm honestly saying this. If you do not go follow her and get into her world, I do not know what you are doing with your life. If you want visibility and getting in front of new audiences, you absolutely cannot say no to Lisa. So go follow her. Just give us your handle just in case you haven't already, just to make sure. I know that's like more than one call to action, Lisa but I feel Simone like we have to know you. <laughs> nice and simple at Lisa Simone Richards. And yeah. one funny thing about the IG, Sophia, is that I still have that DM from you where you were like, oh my God, I used your podcast pitch and I got not just a yes, but an enthusiastic heck yes after using sending a pitch like that. I included my emails a lot of the time. I have that screen grab in my testimonials folder. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that you didn't just get a yes, but an enthusiastic heck yes, because it's yep. a good pitch. Yep. It's a very good pitch. Well, thank you so much for being here. I had so much fun getting drunk on coffee with you and talking all things visibility. And what people don't even know is that we chatted for 20 minutes before we even hit record. <laughs> I know. We need help. <laughs> oh no, it was fun. Thank you so much. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions, like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.